Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast deals with discrimination, homophobia, suicide, and crimes against men and children. Please listen at your own discretion. If you are affected by any of the themes featured in this episode, please contact your local support charity. He was a friend of mine. I had no idea that he was uh, homosexual. So much so, I just said, no, that, that can't be right. Because they were afraid that we were um, ICAC spies planted in the police force. And he told Roy Henry he wanted to get rid of John McLennan, who was his subordinate at that stage. Just my gut instinct says, don't do that, please. And therefore, they were after him after that. Um... You know, so it was just, just John. Catching Worms, a Hong Kong true crime podcast. On the 3rd of October, 1950, just after midnight, in the highlands of Scotland, John McLennan was born to Joe and Katie. Wee John, or Johnny as everyone called him, grew up on a farm surrounded by his close-knit, loving family. Getting OK grades in school, John attended Farkirk Technical College in central Scotland before joining up as a police cadet in Stilling, a city in Scotland around 26 miles northeast of Glasgow. The year was 1968. After passing out, John McLennan made his way up from cadet to constable until an ad in the newspaper caught his eye, as author Nigel Collett explains. McLennan was a, a policeman in Scotland. He um, was a police constable um, with a few years of his career and was attracted um, by the advertisements which were put out by the Hong Kong police at that stage uh, for a, a different life and to come to Hong Kong to be an officer, uh, to be promoted from being constable to inspector. So he um, volunteered to come over. He had not been in Hong Kong very long when another fellow Scotsman followed in his footsteps. I was a cadet and then a constable in the Edinburgh City Police in the late 60s and then the early 70s. And I saw an advert in the Sunday Post in Scotland offering contracts to Hong Kong. It all seemed a bit exotic to me. 
So I just put my application in and lo and behold, I was accepted. And in 1974, I got on a plane for three years to go to Hong Kong. And 23 years later, I was still there as a handover came along. Detective Chief Superintendent Ian Grant, who at this point is about to head into police training school for his first tour in Hong Kong. I asked him, when did he first meet John McLennan? Uh, The first time I met John, coincidentally, was I got on the plane in in London in in September 74 with another 38 recruits. It was the biggest um, recruiting campaign from the UK at that time, so much so that the Hong Kong Standard were at the airport to take photographs of the new new arrivals. Anyway, the guy I was sitting with on the plane was a chap who became a good friend called Peter White, who'd been in the Stirling and Clackmanninshire Police Force, and his friend was John McLennan who had also been in the Stirling and Clackmanninshire Force. So John had come out to the airport to greet Peter. So he got on the bus and I met John. He was basically the first person I really met when I came to Hong Kong. Did you ever meet John McLennan? Of course, he was a friend of mine. (laughs) Of course, yes. He was a contemporary of mine in the police force. A good friend of both Ian Grant and Norrie McKillop all three of them Scotsmen who had answered the call of the Hong Kong police. They'd arrived, passed through training college, been given commissions and had got to know each other socially. Detective Nora McKillop describes what he remembers of John. Uh, he was kind of short. He was very Scottish. He was uh, quite popular around the police messes. He struck me as being a, a kind of trying to portray a, a macho kind of image. He would have the... A bottle of bottle of black label and a particular bar with his name on it. So he'd had his own labeled, his own name bottle. Um, and if you had to describe him, what what was he like? What was his character like? An interesting character. He was um, always well dressed, always quite serious. He had a safari suit or a suit on, to pride in his appearance. Um, he was respectful. He was a, a nice colleague. Um, he was absolutely... Winston Churchill was his, was his hero. And he, he used to recite uh, or imitate or impersonate Winston Churchill in the mess when he had a few drinks. Um, and he was, I'd say he could be boisterous, but he, he wasn't trouble. You know, he, he, made, he was loud, if anything. John could be loud, but not all the time. Uh, like many people, if he got a, a few drinks, he liked his, as a Scotsman from the north, he liked his whiskey. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it was subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. From that famous Winston Churchill speech, we will fight them on the beaches. A call to arms that John would have known word for word. And maybe this speech inspired John. In those final phrases, there is hope in a new world. Maybe he thought he could come to Hong Kong and find a role of honour and a liberty he so desperately seeked. 
This tale is layered and complicated. It will take us on a journey where we will discover multiple theories and motives, make you ask questions. What happened to him that day and why it could all have been avoided? Maybe John had a destiny. A destiny that would change this city and its historic laws forever. And now we come to a sliding doors moment. In April 1977, John McLennan decided to return to the UK. He'd applied successfully for a job at the Met, but by Christmas that year, he'd had enough. He missed Hong Kong, the challenges and adventures it offered. So instead of staying in London, he reapplied to the Royal Hong Kong Police and was reinstated. If he'd just stayed put, kept that job in London for a few more years, maybe even just months, this could all have been very different. But he wanted to be back in Hong Kong. So by the end of 1977, he'd reapplied and was reinstated for another three-year tour. John stayed in close contact with his family back in Scotland, sending them gifts and money when he could. But he was happy in Hong Kong and well-liked by his colleagues. I don't remember anybody bad-mouthing John. Um, he, 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 was, he could be a bit loud, but then we are all the same. But he wasn't, absolutely, I wouldn't portray him as being trouble. You know, he wasn't somebody who got into fights or anything like that. Um, he was a bit blustery sometimes, you know, you know but he was just, there's lots of characters around and he was just part of that tapestry. That was until 1978. 1978 was an important year. This was the year that Duffy was arrested. This was the year that the SIU was set up. This was the year John McLennan moved to the Ewan Long Police Division. In Ewan Long, John didn't seem to fit in quite so well. During this time, rumours started circulating. Allegations made against John were so severe that he was in threat of losing his job. I asked author Nigel Collett, what were the accusations being made at the time? He was accused of taking a young Chinese student back to his police quarter in Yuen Long and um, offering sex. The young man was supposed to have refused and to have left and then to have made a complaint to the police station that that had happened. These rumours didn't fit the macho image. It didn't match this carefully crafted persona John was trying to portray. Same-sex acts were illegal in Hong Kong. Yet here was a well-liked police officer being accused of committing such acts with a minor. Ian Grant didn't buy it. There was a case in Yun Long where he was accused of something. And I remember hearing about that. Um, and I dismissed it out of hand. So much so, I just said, no, that, that can't be right. That was before John came to join us uh, in, in Home Tin. And I just frankly just went, nah, that, that's, that's a load of rubbish. Not knowing the facts. I just dismissed it. It just, it just, because he just didn't give me that air. After having known John for four years, you'd think he must have some suspicions that John was gay. To, to be honest, I had no inkling whatsoever that he had homosexual or bisexual tendencies. Absolutely not. Um, he never gave that impression. There was a few guys around in the, in the force, some senior and others, who you said were a bit camp and you wouldn't be surprised if they were uh, that way inclined. Um, but John, no. I, I never formed 
moment thought he was homosexual. Um, and it was a surprise to me. John had reasons to hide his sexuality. As a proud Scotsman, he would not only have been breaking laws in Hong Kong, but also in his hometown. In 1967, private sexual acts between consenting men over the age of 21 was no longer a criminal offence in England and Wales, although in Scotland it was still illegal up until the 1980s. And remember, this is 1978. Furthermore, these accusations weren't being made against two consenting adults. There was a minor involved, a 17-year-old boy, David Lau Wai Tong. He was a young student studying in Glasgow. He had been introduced to John in the Benina restaurant in Yuen Long by two fellow police officers. Apparently, David wanted to become a police officer himself one day, so you could understand John feeling that he could take him under his wing. The accusation was fairly explicit. Lau claimed that John had invited him back to his quarters, requested he put on a pair of yellow underpants and told him, I love Chinese flesh. The boy claimed that they did not have sex and that John had phoned him to apologise after the event. So technically, nothing had happened and John vehemently denied that the meeting in his apartment had ever taken place. For Nigel Collett, this story did not add up. The entire um, event was very fishy. The thing seems to me to have been set up. Uh, he was deliberately introduced to this young boy in a restaurant at which then the people who brought the boy must have known that he was going to be there. And my belief is that he was actually led there um, to meet this boy. It was clear that people knew that he was interested by that stage in young men. But the reason for um, the setup and for what happened to him isn't quite clear. He believed that he had offended some people in the local area, um, perhaps triads. Uh, it's possible that people in the local area were offended by him uh, being um, attracted to men, but I think that's not likely because other men in the police station uh, at the time were and nobody did anything about them. But more likely uh, is the fact that uh, he had refused to take the bribes, which were still being offered to British police officers in that police station, uh, by the station sergeant. It was well known there was corruption in the police. In a 1973 edition of Private Eye, the Hong Kong police was described as the finest police force money can buy. Corruption was rife, and as it happened, 1973 was the year Nori joined, and he remembers they had started the crackdown. 1973. It was the year, uh, it was quite strange actually, when I did arrive with another dozen or so expats we joined with our Chinese colleagues in the police training school at Wong Chou Kang and within a few weeks the, the commandant was arrested uh, ICAC had just just started and we knew nothing about um, corruption and ICAC etc but it, it had just um, started their operations and the commandant was arrested and then when I passed out I went to Bayview Police Station. Half the police station was arrested, and uh, it was quite shocking. And uh, so the next few years was um, quite an introduction to the Hong Kong police. And we, our intake, were one of the first of the so-called new breed um, recruited. Some of them were from Canada, some were a couple from Australia. And uh, we were very, very much... Uh, distrusted by the um, the old guard in the Hong Kong police. They all thought we were spies, which is good. 
because they never even bothered to try to um, corrupt us because uh, they were too scared to even try, which is a good thing. Um, so that was my inauguration into the Hong Kong police, uh, um, ICAC arresting lots and lots of police officers. So there was a lot, a lot of corruption going on at the time when you joined then? I think, Jen, yes, uh, Murray McLehorse had started, the, the governor of the time had um, initiated the Independent Commission Against Corruption, obviously because uh, corruption was endemic in the police force, otherwise they wouldn't have taken such a drastic step. Um, so, yes, um, I never personally was ever approached in all the years in my in the Hong Kong police. But as I explained at the very beginning, Susie, I think the corrupt officers were running scared, and um, they were they were they were afraid of um, our group, which was a new intake, and we weren't corrupted. We had no in, they had no influence over us, and so it came pretty much apparent to me very early. Um, um, this was a good thing. Uh, no one would even try to corrupt us because they were afraid that we were um, ICAC spies planted in the police force. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now here it helps if you know a little bit of the geography of Hong Kong. Yuan Long is in the New Territories, in the far northwest, nearest to the Chinese border, hidden behind the highest mountain in Hong Kong, Tai Mo Shan. It's a bit cut off from downtown Kowloon and Hong Kong Island. Yuan Long is a town surrounded by traditional villages run by triad groups. So it makes sense that although a corruption crackdown was going on in the city, out here in the sticks dubious activity was still going on in the late 1970s. And John was seen to be part of this new breed, a spy maybe, someone you couldn't trust to comply with the way things were done. The system in Hong Kong up until almost that point 
had been that across Hong Kong, station sergeants would leave envelopes of cash on the desks of their superior officers uh, who would take the money in exchange for turning a blind eye or for dealing uh, nicely with cases. Well, John McLennan was an honest man. He might have been a gay one, but he was honest. And he uh, stupidly took the envelopes down to the um, ICAC office, that's the um, Internal Commission Against Corruption, um, and he handed the envelopes in. And I would imagine that um, that was becoming quite obvious. Uh, it must have been known in the police station that he was doing so. Therefore, he was risking at least the station sergeant, but probably also the British policemen who were in the, in the station. And my belief is that that would have been sufficient for them to try and get rid of him. And the easy way to get rid of a gay man is to hook him with a young man um, and then make an accusation. So the accusation had been made, but David Lau had conveniently returned to Glasgow so someone else was speaking for him. And the thing that um, seems to me to be the clinching factor that this was a setup is that the man who made the, uh, the complaint was not actually the young man, but the father of his friend. And the father had been a police station sergeant in Wan Chai who himself had been sacked for corruption a couple of years before, who had no reason to make the complaint, supposedly was doing so because he wanted to keep the police force clean, but actually he himself had been corrupt and had been fired from it. So it doesn't make sense to me. This is where the story links back to Duffy from episode one. This accusation came in five days after Duffy had been arrested by the same police division in the New Territories. So whilst they were gunning for one homosexual lawyer, it seemed that they had their own problems within the ranks. This needed to be dealt with, and they couldn't be seen to be going soft on one of their own. So McLennan was investigated, and the investigation was badly conducted by an officer who wasn't very good, and the result was bad, um, and he could only indicate that he thought there was some truth. So at that point, the uh, investigation report winged its way up through police headquarters uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, and at that point, the acting commissioner of police uh, was a, um, a very good officer called Roy Henry, but who himself was homosexual. And he was at that point being considered for the job of uh, commissioner of police. Uh, his boss was about to retire. He had a good feeling that the governor, Sir Murray McLehose, uh, didn't like him. The chief secretary um, didn't like him. And he was on rather sticky wicket. The governor was in London trying to find another commissioner of police. But Roy Henry was still on the list. And then along comes this accusation with a note from the, um, the commander of the police in the New Territories saying he wanted this man removed. And the commander of the police in the New Territories was a man called Mike Gillingworth, and he was on a crusade uh, against gay officers in the police force and against what he regarded as exploitation of Chinese youths. And he wrote Roy Henry a very long minute uh, explaining what he really thought was going wrong in the police force. And he told Roy Henry he wanted to get rid of John McLennan, who was his subordinate at that stage. Mike Illingworth had met John on a division visit to Ewan Long some months earlier, and John had not exactly made the best impression. It was reported later in the press that Mike thought John was, and I quote, slightly effeminate and definitely an exhibitionist. So, this rather blustery Winston Churchill fan had not made the best impression, and Illingworth had made sure Roy Henry knew it. And so Roy Henry just sacked him on the spot, gave him a month's notice, no um, reason for sacking him, gave him no redress, and just dismissed him uh, out of hand. 
he followed what he'd been persuaded to do by Illingworth. And my interpretation of that is that Illingworth knew about Roy Henry, and most people in Hong Kong who were there did know about Roy Henry. And Roy Henry felt that he was in risk himself, uh, being exposed. So he went along with it, and he sacked uh, poor John McLennan for almost nothing. Remember Roy Henry. We'll come back to him later on. McLennan then at that stage uh, didn't go quietly. Uh, He fought. And he fought with the help of a couple of magistrates in the New Territories with whom he was working at that stage in the court in Fanling. And they brought in the redoubtable campaigner, Miss Elsie Tu. Henry Daniel and uh, Ratcliffe, they, they were the magistrates in Fanling. And my first two, I lived up there in the village patrol unit. And he lived down there. So I used to drink and go to their houses for dinner. So I knew them pretty well. And Henry was a really good guy. And he would... He would, he would help people. He wasn't establishment. Um, that they then got John to um, involve um, with Elsie Elliott. Elsie Elliott, or Elsie too, she goes by both names, was known to be a woman of impact in Hong Kong. She had moved to Hong Kong in the late 1940s with her missionary husband and had got involved in local government. She had a reputation for working to defend the rights of the people against long working hours, low wages and primitive working conditions experienced by the Chinese in Hong Kong. In the 1960s, she had started riots in Kowloon by opposing a fare increase on the Star Ferry. As a British urban councillor, she was listened to, not only by the Hong Kong political elite, but also by the government in the UK. So she was a good person to have on your side. Miss Elsie Tu, um, who uh, was well known in Hong Kong for taking up any case of human rights and was a great thorn in the side of the government. And so John met Elsie and Elsie had an in to the governor. She was always writing the governor letters and she and the governor would discuss these letters. And she wrote to the governor and said this was a miscarriage of justice. So the governor intervened and the governor told the police force that he thought this wasn't uh, a safe dismissal. And so, of course, the police reinstated John McLennan, and they lost face, and they hated it, and they believed McLennan himself had got the governor involved to stop his dismissal. He hadn't, but they thought he had, and therefore they were after him after that. They hadn't got him out first time, they were going to get him the second time. Whatever the cost may be, we shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Next time on Catching Worms. So he got on the bus and I met John. He was basically the first person I really met when I came to Hong Kong. I hadn't seen any clear evidence that arrest him for what? Because they were security risks. I mean, I had no idea that he was a homosexual. A very pleasant guy. He was manipulated by SIU during the, the process. He, he was a police officer who was um, homosexual and uh, he was one of the SIUC's 
Yes, I use so-called snitches. So it wasn't safe, and he ought to have known that. This has been a Create podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps others to find us. You can follow us on Instagram at CatchingWormsHK. With special thanks to Nigel Collett, author of A Death in Hong Kong, Detective Nori McKillop, and Detective Superintendent Ian Grant. And thank you for listening. Catching worms. Juk chong. This term means to get yourself into trouble, causing unnecessary difficulties. It may seem like an odd phrase, but this slang is often used as an abbreviation of the full saying juk chong yap si fat. That involves putting said worms up your rear end, which to anyone's imagination definitely spells trouble indeed. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.